Thanks, Andrew and Dale. Morning, everyone. Hope you're doing well. Uh, let me sort of, actually, I'm going to, kids, right now, why don't you go and grab those sheets if you want to, and then grab them, return to mum and dad. I'll get myself sorted out up here too. Stuff going on. Now, if you've got a Bible, uh, Romans 3 is where we're looking at today. And I'll give the kids a chance to get sorted and give you a chance to open up your Bibles. If you've got a Bible there or your iPad or your phone even, no texting though, please. Not allowed to do that. Oh, I hope we've got enough. Quite a few kids. There's actually some adults up there as well. Fern, no, it's not for you. Yeah, I like colouring in too. It's good fun. Um, all right. Well, this is our last of our um, our series TV or reality TV. We've been calling it. Um, if you've got an outline there uh, in your bulletin, that might help. What I've done this time the outline mainly because I didn't meet the deadline that that Kiralee sets, which is very fair, but I just didn't meet it. Um, so I made up an outline with just four points. I'm going to talk about those four points, but I cannot promise you that I'll talk about those four points in that order. So you have to listen and find out which order I do them in. There you go. Uh, so this is our last of our series. Um, I, I want to pray, play. Uh, I want, actually, one another. I'll pray first, and then we'll play a video. How about that? Let's pray. <laughs> Father, thank you for your goodness and kindness to us. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have indeed, um, uh, you indeed love us so much that you sent your only son to die for us. Help us today to understand uh, your justice. Uh, bring us closer to you. We pray today, Lord God, as we um, hear your word, we pray, Lord, that, that each and every one of us sitting in this building will respond to it honestly and with a true and uh, repentant heart, really, a heart that's honest with you. So, Lord, guide us today. Help me to speak clearly as well. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's, uh, let's show this little clip about justice. Man, I'm excited to be back working. Yeah, I missed it terribly. Good morning, Kelly. There are so many cold cases out there that still need to be solved. The beauty of this team is that we can make things right. To get the guilty person put away, there's not a better feeling in the whole world if you're in law enforcement. That's why we're here. This is just terrible. My family had to go through this. The victim's family's pain lingers for years. They need help more than anybody else. For her 21st birthday, I gave her a diamond necklace. For her 22nd, I purchased her a headstone. My God, we have to solve this case. This is one of the hardest cases we're ever going to work on. The gun comes out, fires around. Shoot! Whoa! Shoot him again. About 80 witnesses, seven suspects. Damn it. We have to figure this out. Here goes. Moment of truth. That's not even called closure. That's just called justice. I think that's it. Almost came up too early. A couple of interesting lines there. So that's a... um. That is a show, it's called, it's called Cold Justice. So it's a new show that's coming to, if you're a Netflix person, uh, it's coming to our Netflix screens soon. It's a reality show, it's about true stories. 
And it's about bringing justice for people who have been the victims of crimes committed in the past, and these cases have gone cold, so they're, they're, they remained unsolved. Now, it's not an original idea, but it's an interesting one, I think, uh, and clearly a fairly emotional one. Did you see the trauma that some of those people, just in the little preview, you see the trauma that those people are going through? Uh, they're true stories. And did you hear, too, that she said, uh, about her, I guess about her team, we can make things right to get the guilty person put away. There's no better feeling, she says, as someone who is in law enforcement. And then she says, they're not about closure, they're about justice. Interesting, isn't it? Uh, she says that as she meets with the victim's family. Now, it's not only in the show, uh, not only in TV shows or, or movies, documentaries, um, it's not only those things that focus on justice. Uh, there, there are hundreds of shows that focus on justice, aren't there? You can go through all the CSIs, there have been so many of them, the Law and Orders, what else are there? There's lots of those sort of shows. They all focus on justice, uh, get the bad guy, put him away, punish him, uh, make sure he gets what he deserves. That's the general way these sort of, sort of shows go. And I think those shows on TV, whether they're reality shows or not, I think they're so prolific and so popular because that theme of justice is so important to us, isn't it? It's almost, it feels like it's ingrained in our DNA. Even from a very young age, we, we cry out, that's not fair. It feels like it's our children's first words, that's not fair. There's some classic stories that um, come out, well, it's usually the US, of people who, in the name of justice, have initiated strange and convoluted lawsuits. Now, give me one example. I read of one where, at a boxing match, a fan drank too much, got into a fight, and ultimately fell down a set of stairs, a flight of stairs. His family wanted justice. So they hired a lawyer, and they sued. Included in their lawsuit was Ticketmaster. <laughs> the company that sold the man the ticket to the boxing match. Isn't that classic? Uh, I guess we're getting back to some talking some sense, um, putting US lawsuits aside. Uh, we humans have a very real sense of justice, don't we? That is, people who do bad things, the guilty, should not go unpunished. That's our sense of justice that we have. The guilty should not get away with it. We don't want them to get away with it. Okay, so let me ask you this then. What if God, if you agree with me so far, that's our sense of justice. We don't want, we don't, the guilty should not go unpunished. So let me ask this question. What if God had that attitude with me or with you? What if he treated me like I want guilty people to be treated? What if he did that, that the guilty must not go unpunished? But hang on, you say... Hold on. I, I'm, what am I guilty of? What am I guilty of? Am I, am I, well, let, let's talk reality. We've been talking about reality. That's the idea, isn't it, in this series? The Bible says that we humans all share this one common problem. We read about it in our second, we read about it in our second reading, the one from Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It says, All have sinned and fall short. Uh, all of, uh, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, see, that, that's everyone. 
all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Let me try to explain what humans do with God. In some ways, it's a very simple, very simple, but let me illustrate it. Um, God is the one who gives life. Okay, we agree with that. He's the creator and therefore the ruler of this world. So, so if there's, let's just pretend there's an imaginary crown in my hands here. I'll be honest with you, I was meant this morning to make up a crown. So you have to imagine that I've got a crown, but I completely forgot. Isn't that sad when that happens? It was going to be a nice prop, but now I've got, now you have to imagine. So I've got a crown in my hand, all right? And, um, well, that crown represents a ruler, a king, you could say. So if God's the creator and ruler of this world, well, of course, that crown should be on God's head. Figuratively speaking, of course. It should be on God's head. He's the ruler. The crown needs to be on his head. But here's what we do, us humans, and we all do this. We actually take it off God's head and we put it on our own head. And we want to be the ruler. I'm going to be king. Uh, We reject him as ruler. We turn our backs on our creator and place the crown on our own heads. Romans 1.21 actually says that what's typical of sin is that we neither glorify him as God nor give thanks to him. You might remember a TV ad years ago. I think it was for a, um, a bank or something to do with money. And the, the phrase was, I am king. I think I've showed the video here. I, that's what we do. We take it off God's head, put it on our own head, and we say, I am king. Uh, it, it's, it's that heart. It's a heart that treasures anything above God. That's what, that's what sin is. Now, John Piper, he uh, American evangelist and, and author and theologian and so on, a while ago he put it like this. Um, uh, he, he actually what have I got that there there you go oh dear I've got the wrong, wrong around that's where I went I'm going to come back a few slides he put it like this he said sin is the glory of God not honoured the holiness of God not reverenced the greatness of God not admired the power of God not praised the truth of God not sought the wisdom of God not esteemed the beauty of God not treasured the goodness of God not savoured the faithfulness of God not trusted, the promises of God not believed, the commandments of God not obeyed, the justice of God not respected, the wrath of God not feared, the grace of God not cherished, the presence of God not prized, the person of God not loved. I think it's right. I think that's what what sin is. Now, right now, if you're struggling to, to believe this about yourself, well, let's hear how Jesus sums up the law. Now, let me just go back a few Slides here to Matthew 27. Here's how Jesus sums up the Old Testament law. And we could say these are God's requirements for a right relationship with him. So Matthew 22, 37, Jesus replied, he's talking to the Pharisees, Love the Lord your God with all, the, all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. They're summed up by these two commandments. So again, asking us a bit of a personal question, um, thinking about these words of Jesus, these two commandments, do you keep them perfectly? Nah. (laughs) No, I don't. I don't know about you. Tell me if you do. That's wonderful. Um, But I don't think you do. Now, And we haven't even started looking at the whole law. We haven't started looking at the Ten Commandments. Go through that as a list. Tell me if you keep those. I don't think you do. I don't. I try. We all fall short of God's standards. That's what, that's what sin is, really. In fact, right now, I'm hoping in your, in your heart, if you're really being honest with yourself, what you're acknowledging now is what the law 
say, the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament was for, was actually designed for. The law, we read in the, in the verse just before our Romans reading, it's up there, it's Romans 3.20, the law makes us conscious of our sin. So it says, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Well, we know we can't. We don't love God. Like Matthew 22 tells us, we don't love our neighbour as we should. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. I hope you're conscious of your sin right now. You ought to be, as we hear, hear what God says. So how, then, can God deal with this problem of sin? How's he going to do that? What if he treated me like I want guilty people to be treated? What if he did that? Do we still want justice? <laughs> we still want it? Now, I reckon there's two clear options on how God could deal with this problem of sin. Here's option one. Uh, and I think that's where we're up to. There we go. Option one. So God could just forgive us irrespective of what we've done. Its consequences, whether or not we want to be forgiven. That's option one. That's how God could deal with this problem of sin. Uh, but that's hardly just, is it? It's not fair, as my children cry out years ago. It's not fair. It means people getting away with it. And I want justice. I don't want the guilty to go unpunished. But hang on a minute. Didn't we just work out, I did, I don't know about you, but didn't we just work out that I'm one of those guilty ones, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God? That leaves us with option two then. Here's option two. God could give everyone what they deserve. Well, he could do that. Now there's some justice. Whew, that is some justice. But the Bible tells us that God is a God of mercy. And option two doesn't sound very merciful, does it? And there's the contradiction there. So what does God do? What's he going to do about this problem? Ah, there's a third option. Option three, what the Bible calls the atoning sacrifice. Atoning means restoring something like our relationship with God that's broken because of our sin. But first, I think we need some background to truly understand what the Bible says, uh, for example, in Romans 3 about this third option. When God gave Israel the law which we've already talked a little bit about and how that makes us conscious of our sin today. When God gave Israel, God's people, the law, he also gave them a system of animal sacrifices. These sacrifices were a way people could receive forgiveness by sin, uh, from, of sin, I should say, by symbolically transferring their guilt onto an animal and killing it. Now, it sounds fairly gruesome, doesn't it? I haven't got any pictures for you. I've got no video of it. It's okay. It's, I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, but, but in those days, well, it wasn't so much. It was just part of life. It was part of understanding their food, actually. You, you kill their food, and then you go and eat it. The Old Testament has a number of passages, mainly in the book of Leviticus, which describe the animal sacrifices that paid for the guilt of the people. One such passage is Leviticus 16. Now, you can go and read it for homework. It's quite long. Um, but it describes what's called the Day of Atonement. On this day, 
both bulls and goats are sacrificed to pay the price for the sin of the people. So Leviticus 16, verse uh, 21, and I've got part of it down the bottom there. Leviticus 16, verse 21 describes how the Israelite high priest, so it's Aaron in, in Leviticus 16, lays his hands on the head of a goat and confesses the sins of the people. The goat is then driven out into the wilderness, symbolically taking away the sins of the people. Now, if you had an older translation of the Bible, that goat was called the scapegoat. And if you're a lover of English, there you go. That's where it comes from. Um, now, taken as a whole, the sacrifices of bulls and goats, goats, they teach us how death is necessary to pay the price for sin. Now, I know this is a bit technical, but I want you to stay with me, okay? And that God is pleased to accept a substitute by taking the life of an animal instead of taking the life of people, since it is the blood that makes atonement. Uh, Leviticus 17, verse 11. Now, in the New Testament, in the New Testament, in Hebrews, uh, this is the passage that we read earlier, the writer of Hebrews makes the point that really these bulls and goats are just pointers. They point us to the real sacrifice that happened once for all. We've sung about it already. The real sacrifice, since it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. They can't possibly do that. They're just bulls and goats. We need something more than that to deal with our sin problem. So here is, who is this? Well, what is? Who is this real sacrifice? Of course, we know the answer, don't we? Who is this real sacrifice that takes away our sins and makes atonement? Restoring our relationship with God. That's the million dollar question. And what's it got to do with justice? Are you still wondering if this talks about justice? You should be. hope you are. I'm going to tell you about it, tell you about it in just a moment. Now, because it's the Australia Day weekend, I thought I might share a story with you, and it's a little bit irreverent. All right? So I'm hoping you won't be offended by it. Um, and it's not something I usually talk about, but it really might help us to understand how God's justice and God's mercy come together. You ready? Okay. I've built it up, haven't I? You're all hanging for it. So I went to an all-boys secondary school. Just imagine that for a minute, and all the things that might go on. You got it? Good. So one on one sleepy afternoon, uh, during a library lesson, something extraordinary happened. It involved three characters, good mates James and Bruce, and our history teacher, Mrs O'Loughlin, otherwise known as the Dragon Lady. <laughs> now that day, poor James was having some issues. Let's just say that his tummy wasn't behaving in the way that it should when it comes to a very quiet library. And things were getting a little bit gassy. He always loved a curry. Well, in the quiet of reading time, James had a little accident. Actually, it was not little at all. It reverberated across the vast space. Mrs O'Loughlin was not happy. Who did that? That's about what she sounded like too. I thought she was a man for most of secondary school. <laughs> um, <laughs> who did that, she screamed. Above just a few chuckles, uh, a few people just chuckling and there she was screaming away, all the boys having a bit of a chuckle about it. Now we all knew who the culprit was. James was guilty. But the dragon lady remained in the dark. She didn't know. 
Now, in the past few weeks, James had been in some trouble. He couldn't afford another Friday. A Friday was a two-hour after-school detention. Uh, another one would mean a Saturday. That's a three-hour detention at school on Saturday. That's the school it was. Well, again, the dragon lady screamed out, Who was it? Who did that? And after a long pause, well, something extraordinary happened. Bruce stood up. It was me, he said. The innocent willingly took the place of the guilty. Silence fell upon the room. We couldn't believe it. Bruce, mate, we know it wasn't you. I did it, ma'am. It was me. Well, I knew it. Tyke it. That was his surname. It's a Friday for you. Stand over there. Ah, respect for Bruce. Respect for Bruce. And forever on his school record was his two-hour detention on Friday for flatulence in class. <laughs> We've been laughing about it ever since. <laughs> now, how on earth does that story tell us about God's justice and God's mercy? Well, let's turn again, if you've got your Bibles, but I'm going to have it up on the screen, to Romans 3, verse 21. I'm going to read it through again. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. That's the Old Testament. This righteousness, being right with God, friends with God now, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are all justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. To be received by faith, he did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So God is saying that Jesus is that sacrifice of atonement that the Old Testament law and sacrifices point to. The Old Testament points to that the consequence of sin, now that's God's anger at our rejection of him, that's fair enough, and our separation from God because of sin. So the consequences of sin has been dealt with completely, not by the temporary sacrifice of an animal, a bull or a goat, but by God's own son, Jesus, by taking the punishment, God's punishment for our sin on himself. This is what happened when Jesus died on the cross. God saved us from sin by sacrificing Jesus. Friends, that is not only the best news possible, but it gives us an insight, a taste into God's amazing love. Now, you might think for a moment, that sounds harsh. That sounds unfair. In fact, you might be thinking, actually, that's unjust. That's unjust. Why should that happen? God sacrificing Jesus, God's son who is innocent in our place who is guilty. But this is no case of divine child abuse. Uh, Jesus was in on it. He chose to go to the cross. Jesus, the innocent, willingly took the place of the guilty, taking our punishment. 
He stood up and said, it's mine. It was me. <laughs> Not quite exactly. He said, it's mine. I'll take the punishment. Jesus, God's only one and only son, God in the flesh, took the pain and consequences of our rejection of God and himself. He bore all the consequences of our sin. So on the cross, Jesus dealt with our sin problem once and for all. Now, why did he do it? Let's go back to this passage. And how does this show God's justice? I'm almost there. Almost there. Verse 24 gives us the first answer. How, why did he do it? Well, by his grace. By his grace, God's love for us, which is free and undeserved. God loves you. It's a free gift. It's undeserved. We can't earn that back. It's a free gift from God. God gave us Jesus so that he could be merciful. Remember, God is not just about justice, it's about mercy as well. Forgiving those who trust in Jesus. God is merciful. We don't deserve it. That's grace. And looking back at verse 22, this righteousness that God gives us is through faith. So we trust in Jesus and God gives us this righteousness. But second, Jesus died so that God would be just. To demonstrate God's justice so that sin does not go unpunished. God is a God of justice, but not in the way we think of it. We don't get what we deserve when we come to Jesus and put our trust in him. Instead, God's son gets what we deserved. That's God's justice. The innocent takes the place of the guilty so that justice is done so that sin does not go unpunished. When we put our trust in Jesus, Jesus takes the punishment for us. That's his justice. So that sin does not go unpunished, Jesus takes the punishment for our sin. And friends, that's the good news. And you don't have to earn it either. You don't have to earn this gift of righteousness. It's given. God has done it all. Which means you can be sure you're right with God. No wavering, no wondering. You can be sure. Someone who does, someone who relies on what they do themselves to try to earn it, hoping to tip the scales in their favour, well, a lot of religions, in fact, every other religion says that, don't they? Every other religion says, I've got to tip the scales in my favour. I've got to do good works to try to get to God. But that's not what the Bible says about Jesus. It's not about good outweighing bad. We'll never be able to do that. Not about me doing good works and following the law. We'll fall short. We can never be sure if we do that. Never. You can never be sure. If you're trying to prove your way to make God love you, you can never be sure. How do you know when you've done enough, of course? But whatever they do would never be enough because we know that we've all sinned and fall short and that's the reality. But friends, Jesus has done enough. He was the perfect sacrifice for our sin. God's justice, Jesus becoming guilty for us so as sin would not go unpunished. I'm going to pray for us and give thanks to God for his justice for you and I. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that indeed, God, you're a God of justice. We thank you that on the cross you dealt with our sin so that our sin would not go unpunished. Father, thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you that you willingly went to the cross and, give your life and gave your life for us. Lord, we pray today for anyone here who is still wondering and thinking about whether this is for them. We pray that you'll be speaking in their hearts that today will be a day where they stop putting the crown on their own heads, but they put the crown back on your head. And thank you, Lord God, that you are indeed creator and ruler and that you are indeed God. 
pray that today is a day that we come to follow you in all and give you all our lives. Lord, thank you, Jesus, for dying for us, for taking away that sin problem, for taking the punishment that we deserve. Amen.